Hi, hi to my friends, fans, and newcomers. Mm-hmm. For all of you, I would very much like to introduce myself because you newcomers may not really know me. Therefore, I want you to know my work and recognize the TV and film industry back in the late 60s and 70s. And that was a very popular time, but even more so in many ways right now. It's really a delight to skip around from motion picture films to television that I acted in during that time in my career. By the way, so many of you have asked when, when am I going to do Bonanza? So now it's here. <laughs> here we go. Today's episode is Bonanza, Lauren Green, and me. Bonanza is one of my very favorite TV shows, especially A Deck of Aces. Deck full of aces. Lauren Green played a duo part. His starring role as Ben Cartwright, as well as a look-alike hustler, exact replica of Papa Ben Cartwright. This was to be one of my favorite roles as I played Dixie Wells, a break from the simple kind of pretty girl parts and given a character that I hadn't ever played before. You might say I was a seductress. I could slip into being a woman who'd been around. And when I say been around, I mean she'd worked in saloons and knew exactly how to entice men and wrap them around her fingers big time. Here's to you, Mr. Cartwright. And to you, Miss Wells. Thank you. This is a rather big occasion. It's the first time I've seen you in the Lucky Nugget. Well, I never been aware of its attractions. Well, I worked in the Silver Dollar for a couple of weeks. You didn't notice me then. My dear, that's a mistake I will never make again. You know, you're nothing like I figured. I mean, I thought you'd be kind of stuck up and hard to talk to. Kind of like a Sunday school teacher, only rich. My dear, I can tell you that Ben Cartwright is not at all like that. Actually, you fellas are no doubt aware of this species of females, aren't you? <laughs> okay, so as the character, I was familiar with how to work my feminine charms on my men, as you'll surely pick up on and notice her strategies, etc. This was really a very fun part for me to play, and if I may, the antithesis of who I was in real life. Oh boy, this was a wonderful part indeed and one I was super excited to play. Going forward, the whole Cartwright family was exceptional, exuding warmth and was special because they represented a very good and honest 
Americans. Bonanza was a fun show to do. Uh, the people were great. The guest stars we had were marvelous. Crew was tremendous. And we looked forward to getting up at 5.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning to go out on location. The show couldn't help but become successful. We had so many people helping us. Each and every one of the actors in the Cartwright family were brilliant, along with the devoted helper and cook, Hop Singh, played by Victor Sen Young. Oh, Mr. Cartwright, you forget your list. Oh, the list. Well, I, I wasn't really looking for this. Uh, where did you put my, my ledger? Hop Singh not put anywhere. Terribly sorry, Hop Singh. I, uh... Ledger where it always is, on your desk. Hopsing never touched the book. Hopsing? Uh, where are my papers? How I know? Hopsing cook, not secretary. Before closing this fun and interesting segment, I want to mention that I was also chosen to play another part or role on Bonanza that will entice you, my audience, friends and followers, you will see in a totally different Bonanza segment the lovely and talented Linda Crystal and me together. The title is War Bonnet. Now let's get right into what we came here to do and listen to. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Ponderosa, my friends, for an evening of songs and stories about the American West, a land of legend, of romance, of friendship and loyalty, and courage, a motherload of remembrance, a true bonanza. Lauren Green was wonderful in his duo part, and in my estimation, he enjoyed every minute of it. He would say to me during breaks, this is a good switch for me. I can finally be a bad guy and surprise my audience. I heard him utter some words under his breath, quickly looking at me saying, you didn't hear that, did you? I said, what? He said, good. You're not supposed to hear words that aren't meant for your ears. To tell you the truth, I did hear it, but I just wasn't going to go there. You know what I mean. Mr. Green loved switching back from the Honorable Ben Cartwright, powerful head of one of the biggest family ranch owners in the territory, and he went and switched to a swindling hustler bad guy. And may I say he did it with a great deal of finesse. During lunch breaks, he'd go into his trailer, but occasionally would come out and talk, as he always had something to say, but only when he was in the mood. Overall, he couldn't have been nicer and garnered a great deal of respect from all cast members and crew. Oh, I want to add something about a specific scene of so-called passion with Ben Cartwright playing a dual role as the bad guy imposter and me as the conniving wench hoping to luck out and entice some attractive men with her sensual charms and make some money to get away from being a simple saloon girl selling those charms. Her character had always dreamed of falling in love with a rich man. Okay, thinking back to one day in particular, our director, Lewis Allen, 
had become very, very interested in one scene he was directing. And since I was in that scene, I vividly recall from my vantage point that I could actually see our director's reflection in a mirror on the wall that no one else could see, just me. Especially not even from the cameraman's point of view. So yes, there was a passionate kiss I had with Ben Cartwright as the conniving look-alike bad guy, but lest you forget, I was the only human being that could see the director's reflection in that mirror. Now to this day, I believe that for that instance, I saw the director's eyebrows kind of flipping up and down as if he was not only enjoying that, well, not even enjoying, but living vicariously through the Ben Cartwright romantic scene. It might have been a nervous tick, but I don't think so. Especially because after the kiss, our director wanted to reshoot that kissing scene. But then I heard Lorne Green quietly say, how'd you like that one, Lou? As he slapped our director on the back as if to say, did you get your kicks? Now, not to give you the wrong impression, but um, there was <laughs> there was a passionate kiss in the scene. But with a lot of people around, it had all the makings of what could have been misconstrued into an embarrassing situation for me. However, the professional Lauren Green was so cool and aware of everything. It was easy to imagine this small and minute situation garnering energy and power that could blow into a topic of conversation for a long time to come. You know, um, let me liken it to, uh, let's say, well, when you go to the supermarket and you see those magazines on the stand and while you're in line you just kind of pick them up and read them, just even a little bit, well, Sometimes it's been known to happen, as there are many workers and others on the set, etc. And so, with my imagination, I started to think of gossip going and this and that, and I thought rumors could fly around. So I said to myself, oh yeah, and they would be talking about it and so forth. And it would be like, um, remember when that blonde gal kissed old Ben Cartwright in the hotel and blah, blah, blah. That's how things start, you know. Well, there's nothing anyone can do about it. It's just show business, I guess. Although there wasn't anything really except for the flapping eyebrows of our director that no one could see but me. So what was I worried about? I can say that even though I felt my face beginning to blush, and turned red at the same time, I knew I was protected by Mr. Lorne Green. Destiny. Since time began, it's been the great unknown in the mind of man. Is your fate made by you alone? Or is destiny a thing that's planned? Earlier, I had thought the possibility of having to fly the coop <laughs> to escape 
and any and all embarrassment of being trapped into a conversation, I most definitely did not want to have or enter into. So, also you must imagine or know that I did not want either of them to see or spot me at that moment. Now please, you all know me by now, and to avoid any and all conversations or share in rhetoric concerning a kiss with Ben Cartwright as the villain, our director with flapping eyebrows, well, for me, may I just say that kiss was asked by the director to be shot again, but through God's grace, the whole well, everything was back to professional ethics, and I thought these guys are men. And well, I was already halfway out the door, so if they wanted to talk about anything, I would be gone. That was a close call, I thought. May I say that the whole adventure of playing Dixie Wells was a wonderful experience, and as I referenced earlier, I really felt good about my character and that everything would be all right. So in the near future, I'll talk about War Bonnet, but not now. Absolutely not now. I would travel back to my private life as I was married in September of 1968 and had given birth to a beautiful boy in April of 1970. Now I had shared with you that the Vietnam War had begun and sadly Michael's brother was drafted. The stock market. Oh. That was not doing well, to say the least. And, and worst part was that Michael was handling his parents' portfolio, which meant that my husband, Michael, was up a creek, creek or crick, <laughs> struggling to maintain his family's portfolio, but equally important to maintain our own family's income as well. If that wasn't enough, my mom and dad had divorced, and daddy remarried that young girl, exactly my age. So needless to say, I was going through some very emotional, well, it was emotional time for me. Michael wasn't at all happy. That fun-loving guy that used to laugh all the time and make jokes, etc., etc. Well, he was very down and depressed because his brother had been drafted over to Vietnam. His mom had passed away and his dad had fallen for a woman he had dated way back in college at UCLA. So Michael, Michael was now a junior member at Bel Air Country Club and played a lot, a lot of golf and cards and he'd be coming home late at night. So, of course, I trusted him, but my heart was slowly but surely breaking inside of me. I was becoming fearful and awakening to the possibility of a broken marriage. 
as my best friend and love of my life, was hanging out there at the Bel Air Country Club, returning late with the strong scent of booze on his breath. No money was coming in, and I wouldn't, couldn't ever think of going to my dad to ask for money, as it would be humiliating beyond words for me. Perhaps I had too much pride and simply just couldn't go to my dad, especially now because he was married to that girl my exact age, and as I mentioned, she had a young daughter, and well, everything felt weird and extremely confusing. One good thing was that my mom and I had always been close, and she suggested that I should go back into a career of acting, that my mind told me it wasn't going to be easy. I didn't have an agent, and actually I had only one agent, and he was the one who started my career back in 1965. And then he pushed me into my first TV acting role with introducing Billing on a popular medical series called something you've never heard of, but it's Ben Casey, and then Gidget and Donna Reed Show and countless others. But anyway, um, let me go forward here and say all the while my dad was, well, he was commissioner of art for the city of Los Angeles and his favorite, favorite hobby was buying up real estate. He was buying properties left and right, and especially the Sunset Strip to be exact, along with countless other properties in Beverly Hills. Hold on, I'm pushing and going too fast and getting ahead of myself. Soon I was realizing that I wasn't in a good place. I, I contacted my first agent to see if he could find a role or part for me, and I didn't think that he could, but surprise, he was more than willing. And soon after I was going out on interviews, wow, that was a break. You're probably wondering how I was getting along with the baby at home, and we'll explain. There was Mrs. Chrysler, a wonderful nurse that had been with Michael's mom for some years before her death, and I was fortunate enough to have her accept the position to care for my baby when I once again began my career. So that was a blessing but not totally because I was the one paying her wages. Yikes. Now you all can see that even with a wealthy family, things can go awry and definitely not all roses. You see, it might be called pride and I had a lot of it. At that time, Michael and I were living in a very cozy cottage in Benedict Canyon that my dad had bought and restored for us. Oh, we thought that was a fantastic wedding gift, but not. Michael and I were the ones making the payments, and now I understood why he was doing his best to win some money at the club to pay bills that were piling up all over the place and way too quickly. This whole situation was, well, not even a fine kettle of fish. It was a dreadful kettle of fish, and I didn't want to face up to what was happening. Well, I, I couldn't face up to it because I kept believing there was some miracle around the corner. There had to be. Frankly, I didn't know anything about saving money. As a matter of fact, the only thing I ever knew was how to spend it. Embarrassing, yes. 
Embarrassing to admit, but a very true statement. One day, I finally, I finally broke down and told my mom what was happening, and she was wonderful in helping me out, or helping us out, I should say. It was she who suggested that I sit down with my dad and tell him how the cookie was crumbling, so to speak. Okay, now you all are seeing the predicament I was in, but talking to my dad, that wasn't my first, second, or even third choice. He had a huge temper, if those of you remember or listened to my first podcast, my very first one that I talked about, and um, well, that was called Trading Cards. And my dad definitely showed up his very big bad temper. And I was at the age, I was very sickly, by the way, with asthma and so forth. But he was just, he had a very bad temper. That's what I want to say about my dad. Um, Bottom line, I had come up with some strategy to extricate myself from the current situation I was in. Most of all, you don't know me whatsoever, but I'll confess, I was and have been one of the most private persons around. Nothing to be proud of. Here I am spilling the beans, I guess, but about a life that is beginning to unveil some of the wildest, most frightening, outrageous, and unbelievable life stories about this girl, me, moi, that you would or could ever imagine. Going back, I recall one beautiful Sunday morning. I awakened to see Michael up and around, quite hungover with a beard, in a bad, bad mood, and yelling. I I was standing in the hallway when our little boy, a little past, one and a half, um, came walking out slowly from his room and came over to me and grasped my leg while his dad continued yelling at me to take my skinny ass kid and then blank. Next thing I recall feeling weak, groggy and out of it, just out of it as I looked around and found myself in bed in the master bedroom with strangers standing over me. And then I recognized they looked like firemen. Uh Uh-oh. During their best to be sure I wasn't going to pass out, slip into a coma or something worse, but soon they left and my mom was sitting across from me with a box of Kleenex as I felt helpless and I just didn't know just didn't know what had happened. There was only my mom and me, and then I asked, where is my son, but drifted off to sleep, I guess, I guess, again. Oh, dear God, in time I understood and recognized that Michael was, Michael was actually gone. I thought to myself, whatever had happened, I was determined to have a talk with my dad and set things straight. Not long after, a miracle of sorts happened as I saw my neighbor who lived up the street and I'd been jogging 
and he was driving home as he lived about a block up from my house. He, well, we, we started to chat for a moment and he suggested that I stop by for a glass of wine and visit with his wife and himself. I said, sure, I'll shower and come over quickly, come over shortly, something like that. So while visiting, he suggested that I seriously go up for a part in a new movie to be cast at MGM and that he had read the script and thought there was an excellent or very interesting part in it for me. Well, I thought and said, okay, sure. What do I have to lose? Almost immediately, an appointment was set up and the beginning of a new career was born, sort of. But the wonderful and amazing thing that brings tears to my eyes was that my neighbor was the one who changed my life in so many ways and his name was and is James Brolin, a friend helping another friend. It was as if a higher power was making things happen at a time when I needed it most. Thank you for listening. Love you all and God bless.